Welcome to Listen, Smile, y no te rindas, a podcast for students of English who are hispanohablantes that want to hear real conversational American English. I'm Gabe, Gabriel, here with my brother Greg, Goyo. Our dad was Mexicano, but we didn't hear Spanish much at home, and we've studied Spanish as a second language. We're glad you're here with us today as we help you improve your conversational English. Greg, it is so good to see you. It feels like forever. Um, we have both been traveling out of the country, and I am so dang tired. How are you doing? Ooh, yeah, tired. My my legs hurt. Um, I'm uh, I'm definitely more tired this time than I even was the last time I I traveled. I've got to uh, I've got to address that. I've got to stay in shape or something. Yeah, yeah, but we it it is hard because every year we get a little bit older and so you can't take those things for granted and I didn't do any pre-travel training uh or physical preparation. So um I kind of wish I I would have um honestly the <laughs> the hardest time I had was just carrying all of the luggage uh, everywhere. <laughs> Um, at, at very, we were expected to move really quickly. And I remember thinking one time, I don't know how many more years I'm going to be able to do this. Um, uh, so I, <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm right with you. Um, well, I know, I know that everybody's very excited to hear, uh, you know, where we went, um, carry your luggage around where, <laughs> well, uh, before we get to our topic, um, we won't be doing our usual pre-episode uh, vocabulary list like we usually do, but please know that today's episode will be in a transcript that is available for our patrons where you can see everything we say uh, written down in case there are things that you miss, word for word. There are two words that we do want to mention. The first is a skateboard which is una patineta o monopatin. The other word is a skateboarder, also called a skater, which would be un patinador o una patinadora. Why don't we start with where I went? I took a shorter trip than you, but I was lucky enough to go to the Chancanab National Park in Cozumel, in el estado de Yucatán, in México. And on a different day, we also went to La Reserva Ecológica El Corchito in Progreso, Yucatán. Wow. So most of my trip was in the state of Yucatán, which I must say is an amazingly beautiful area of Mexico. Absolute paradise, I'm sure. Absolute paradise. I went a little farther south from where we live in the United States. I went across the equator to Peru for the first time. I'd never been to South America before. So I went into Lima and I spent you know, most of my time in Lima. But I also went uh, to Machu Picchu, which means that you have to cross through uh, Cusco or Yantaytambo and a town outside of Machu Picchu, which is... Uh, historically known as Aguas Calientes because they have hot water springs there. Wow. I can't, I'm just so jealous that you got to see Machu Picchu, but um, you did send me 
an amazing video of it and i've watched it like 15 times <laughs> oh well well i mean getting getting to go to the cenotes which i think you're going to talk about is uh, something i've never done and i would love to see those those are amazing yeah it was awesome so you know in, in talking about this episode we've sort of come across four themes i think it's four that we're going to address and you know this is a this is a class or this is a, a broadcast about english and you know it's so difficult to it, it's so brave frankly to think about learning another language especially if you're not you know three years old or five years old it takes guts right it takes courage and the first thing that we want to talk about is just what a wise thing it is for you to learn english because both of us as we traveled uh, through latin america noticed how much english was the default language in certain scenarios so in certain cases you could hear english readily very easily and it was necessary to conduct certain kinds of business okay where did you hear english well i was so excited about getting to practice uh spanish in the areas there there where we went in yucatan and i certainly got the chance to but i because the areas i was in uh, with my family were really sort of tourist spots, uh, places where primarily tourists would visit. Um, everybody spoke English. A lot of the signs were both in English and Spanish and all of the uh, workers and, and employees uh, and salespeople, everybody spoke to us in English and even tried to use colloquial English, like the word buddy. Uh, I heard buddy a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um, the, the thing that it occurred to me was that if you speak English, you can work in a touristy area, such as the, the places where I visited. And uh, the these guys and ladies were using English to make a good living. And the people that I was with, uh, some of whom were other tourists who didn't speak Spanish, were very grateful and very dependent on that English. So I, that was really striking to me. I expected to to hear only Spanish. I don't know why I expected that, but because I knew I was going to tourist locations. But it was amazing how much English I heard and read. What about you? So before I talk about myself, let's let's paraphrase what what you just said if you don't mind you said that you wanted to speak spanish that you wanted to practice your spanish gabe and i trabajamos en nuestro español todos los días constantemente es nuestro interés personal es, es parte de nuestro ser mm -hmm. but you uh encountered english in yucatan readily constantly and of course when I spoke Spanish back to them, um, their eyes lit up and they would always say, oh, hablas español. And then we would switch into Spanish. But even people who didn't, weren't obviously working in the tourist industry uh, were able to use English to, to help us and particularly help my family members who don't speak Spanish. That's right. That's right. So my, my perspective on this is a little different from Gabe's. Lima. Peru is a tourist city, okay? I mean, it's uh, if you define a tourist city as a city that has foreigners in it, 
Lima is an international city like I never could have anticipated. I never thought wow. that Lima would be so international that you could hear so many languages and see so many types of cuisine, which we're going to talk about, and so many kinds of faces. Uh, just hour after hour, it was a constant. It was a constant treat to see how worldly the city of Lima was. And I have three little cases where English was the default because I went to Lima to study Spanish. I went to a little school there. Uh, we can give them a shout out. It's called Peruana, uh, P-E-R-U-W-A-Y-N-A, uh, very good school. Not that uh, our students on this broadcast would need Peruana. They already <laughs> speak Spanish, but thank you for doing such a good job with me, Peruana. So in the school, there was an Israeli guy a guy from Israel, and he was very comfortable speaking in English with us at uh, lunch one day. There were three Americans and him, and he chose to speak. He chose to speak English rather than speak Spanish because he had heard English his his whole life. Another time, um, a student who was German chose to speak English readily. Uh, very quickly, very easily, very breezily, I would say, with with little anticipation or hesitation. And then finally, when I was on the steps of Machu Picchu, Gabe, I was with a Brazilian family. You know, they're speaking Portuguese with each other. They're speaking Spanish because they're in Peru. And then with the guide who spoke English, they're speaking English. Can you believe that? <laughs> they were they were speaking English as Brazilians with a Peruvian tour guide. I mean, that just, uh, as our dad would say, that blew my socks off. That, that <laughs> astounded me. It, uh, it, it amazed me that uh, the world has people like that in it that just so breezily, so easily go between multiple languages like that. Yeah, so impressive to me. I struggle with two. Amen. But I have heard that the more you learn, the the easier it is to acquire them. But I, I always I always worry about that. Um, I just as an aside, I there used to be a professor uh, at the school I went to, the college I went to. There was a guy that was a professor of both Italian and Spanish, and I wondered how he kept them uh, separated. I wondered how he was able to separate the two languages in his mind. But he had no problem with it. But Anyway, I guess the uh, topic of Italian takes us to our, our, our next <laughs> topic, uh, where we were going to talk about some of the food surprises that we ran across. That's right. So you you were in Yucatan, and uh, you know obviously that's in in southern Mexico. So one would expect to see a lot of tortillas, frijoles, carne, things that one would naturally associate with uh, with Mexican diet. What did you see? Well, there, all of that was available. Uh, we only got to eat at a few restaurants, uh, all of which were wonderful. But I was also surprised uh, that uh, many of the dishes that we ordered were, they, I would have described some of the food as Italian in nature. Huh. Um, so uh, like there were uh, th there were tomato-based sauces uh, on some of them that were that had a sort of a, a marinara flavor, and then I had a 
a dish with a, a white uh, creamy Alfredo sauce. So mm-hmm. I was I was surprised at that there seemed to be this Italian influence uh, on the food, which was fine. I love Italian food, but it was a really fun variation on uh, my favorite kind of food, which is is Mexican food. Absolutely. Mine, too. I will say uh, that it's just so cool to be a world citizen, right? There's something really cool about living in the modern world where we have all these mixtures of cultures and flavors, because it's, it's, I'm sure, noted by some of our listeners that, you know, Gabriel mentioned, hey, we had Italian food because, you know, it had tomato sauce in it. And of course, tomatoes come from this continent, as Gabe well knows, but they were taken back to Italy uh, you know, what, five, six hundred years ago, Gabe? Something right, like that. right. And and then they became part of their diet. And now we associate tomatoes, a uh, an American food with Italian. And by America, of course, I mean the continent, not uh, the USA. OK, so he says he saw uh, an example of Italian cuisine there in Peru. I saw uh, I tried to to sample. I tried to probar. Uh, some Peruvian cuisine, of course. We had uh, ají, we had uh, maracuyá, uh, which is a type of, of fruit, and chicha. Now, chicha is, Gabe, something that you would really, really enjoy. It is purple corn juice. So they, you know, we're used to yellow corn in the states, but there's all kinds of colors of maize. And uh, they have a purple one that they mix with, I guess, some sugar. And man, you talk about refreshing, refrescante, delicioso, me encantó, me encantó. So a lot of us were drinking chicha. Now, if you live in the Northern Hemisphere, listeners, if you're in Spain, if you're in Mexico, even maybe a little south of there, depending on what season, uh, dry or wet, you're in in your country, this is the summertime, right? This is the warm season of uh, of some of our listeners. In Peru, it was uh, 65 degrees Fahrenheit. It was uh, quite like uh, otoño for for an American. It was, you know, necessary to wear jackets. It was necessary hmm. to wear sweaters and hats. So I didn't need refreshing. Is all, all that is to say, I didn't need refreshing <laughs> uh, with my chicha. But I did enjoy it, and I saw so much European food while I was there, Gabe. I'll never forget for the rest of my life looking in uh, a me- looking on a menu up on the wall. You know, you walk into a restaurant and there's a menu up on the wall, and the menu said something, 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 schnitzel. <laughs> I was like, schnitzel. Which is, uh, you know, German, I think it's uh, meat yeah. that you beat with a hammer. Called yeah, that's been, it's pounded yeah. meat. Yes, pounded I love meat. it. Yeah, and <laughs> so um, the last time I saw schnitzel, I was in Germany like 30 years ago, 20 <laughs> years ago. And, um, and it, you know, the other thing, of course, is that if you live as a Spanish speaker in one place and you don't go to another place, you're um, you're thinking – well, do they eat the same thing that we eat? And the answer is, uh, in Peru, from my perspective as a fan of Mexico, there were some things in common. Right? There were some things in common between 
uh, Peruvian cuisine and Mexican cuisine. They both eat uh, peppers, although the peppers are very different from each other. Uh, in Peru, they tend to be round, like almost like tomates. They're, mm. uh, they're a little different. But um, I didn't see, I don't think I saw one corn tortilla. I think I saw zero corn tortillas or tortillas wow. of any kind while I was in Peru. And uh, we know that they, I just mentioned chicha, right? They, they use <laughs> a, a lot of corn. They use a lot of corn, but tortilla was not part of what I witnessed. They eat a lot of bread. So uh, a lot of bread uh, was served to me at breakfast by my host family and uh, in restaurants. So very interesting, very interesting to see uh, how the world is connected uh, in so many ways. And that um, even down below the equator, you're going to see schnitzel. And, uh, you know, like an Italian loaf of bread uh, at your at your table. Right. And thank goodness. Uh, next time you come up, we'll we'll go to the German restaurant that is downtown where I live because uh, <laughs> it, it, that I've had schnitzel much more recently than you. because of that. Yeah. <laughs> so another thing that we were talking about before we started recording was how much walking we both did, which is one of the reasons why we're so tired. Yeah, so you have to understand if you've not been to the United States, the United States is a country built on driving. And, you know, if you live in Spain, you see cars all the time. If you live in Mexico, you see cars all the time. But that's not what we mean when we say uh, you see a lot of driving. It is expected as an American, that you drive and that you, it's not that you let someone else drive you, like you, like a taxi or an Uber. Uh, we have those services, of course, but you use them when you can't use your, your car, right? Your car breaks down or your car needs to be parked at the airport for a week. So it's too expensive. So you get a taxi or an Uber. In Lima, uh, plenty of people were just using um, using public transportation, if not just walking. And of course, if you're walking to public transportation, you're walking anyway, right? So it's, you're either walking to where you're going or you're walking to a, you know, a train or a bus or uh, a taxi or an Uber or whatever. And um, if you've not been to our country, please understand, especially where we live uh, and most places, things are much farther apart than you think uh, they should be and you're going to be driving between them. So we, even though the distances gave are great, we actually exercise much less than we would if we had grown up in other countries. Is that a, is that a fair statement? It, it is. And um, one thing I would add that's even more strange is, for example, I have uh, some neighbors who live next door to me, uh, a man and a woman who are married, and they only have one car. Oh, um, wow. And that that is very common in some countries, but in the United States, it is not common. Usually there is one car per adult uh, yeah. because you're it's assumed you're going to be going in different directions and you might mm -hmm. need to go there at the same time. So, um, but Again, that was something I noticed was just how much walking uh, everybody was doing. And, of course, there there were a lot of buses uh, and vans uh, around where, where we were. But we um, we walked everywhere. And uh, because of that, uh, I think it 
gave us an excuse to eat extra European <laughs> food. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to burn this off anyway, so. Right. <laughs> well, what, one of the things that I encountered that I that I happened across when I was walking one night is uh, Lima is on the beach. Uh, it, it butts up against it. It abuts a a, uh, a coastline. And on that coastline in this part of Lima is a mall. And outside the mall, Gabe, there was a skate park uh, for for uh, monopatines or patinetas. Okay. And, uh, I have a little recording I want to play for you of what it was like to be in the middle of that. ¿Qué tal, oyentes? This is Greg. I'm in Lima, Peru. I'm on the... The, I'm on the beach, but I'm not on the beach. Like the beach is way below where I am. I'm at a mall, and you can hear the sound of hundreds and hundreds of skateboarders here in Lima, in patineta, no, in monopatin. They are wearing their fancy hats, and they got their jackets on, and they're just having so much fun. I wish you could see it. Uh, what a lovely thing to get to see in another country. Skateboarders in Peru, dude. <laughs> Love it. Oh, thank you for playing that for me. Wow. <laughs> so if you don't know, the word dude is, uh, you know, we need to have an episode on dude, Gabe. But uh, dude is what you say uh, among friends of a certain generation and in certain um in certain interests. So uh, if you're a surfer or you're a skater uh, of a certain age, it's, it was just super common to hear you say to your friends, dude. So that's, Mm -hmm. that's why, that's why I said that in the broadcast. What's up, dude. (laughs) (laughs) So it sounds like there were a bunch of them. There is a skate park uh, close to my house and I drive, it's near the high school actually. And when I drive by, there are usually six or seven people there. But you said there were a bunch of people there. Uh, You know, there were so many people there that they could have races uh, of eight, 10, 12 skaters. And then the crowd that was watching them was all skaters, too. I mean, it was wow. I've never seen that many skateboarders together because where I live, right, it's, uh, you have to drive to get, you'd have to drive really far to find skaters in that kind of density. But, right. You know, the, these are all people who live close enough by that they can, that they can either catch a, a quick taxi or an Uber, or they can just walk from their apartment or their home to the mall. And man, they were, I bet there were uh, 150 skaters there. It was fabulous. Wow. Wow. Well, another thing that we both found in common with our traveling experience was just how kind and gracious the hosts uh, and guides and citizens of the country were where we were. We both traveled in very different areas, but both of us had a really good experience with the people. Yeah, I stayed with a family that uh, consisted of several adults. Uh, including a grandmother and a grandfather, and a little boy who's about five years old named Sebastian, Sebastian. And, um, he, you know, it was just so delightful 
to get to see them interact with him. He was a wonderful child, you know, so much, so much curiosity, so much humor. And the grandmother, especially, she was just super supportive, curious about me, asked good questions, conversed about anything that uh, that we wanted to talk about. It was just so, so positive. You know, I found that people in Peru generally were warm and kind people to interact with. Well, I, I found uh, the same thing in Mexico. I, I didn't meet anyone that was not um, helpful uh, or kind. Even people who, who didn't have anything to gain um, were were helpful to us. And um, the tour guides were especially wonderful. They they spoke English. And I, I got one of the things that I laughed about was that as the day went on when we would go on tours, their English would get worse and worse as they got more and more tired, which is the same. Yeah, same thing happens to my Spanish. But we spoke more and more Spanish as the day went on. And because my mother, for example, cannot speak Spanish, I would not realize that we were speaking Spanish (laughs) and I couldn't figure out why she wasn't answering our our questions. Um, But we would then then switch to English, but I'm someone that jokes a lot. Um, and no. <laughs> and so I, uh, I spent a lot of time laughing, uh, with the people. Everybody was very, very patient, uh, with my Spanish, uh, and with my bad attempts at humor. <laughs> well, I know I've been very patient with your bad attempts at humor for our whole <laughs> lives. So. Well, God bless you for that. Decades and decades. <laughs> okay, so finally, our last point, which is probably, frankly, what we we should spend the most time on, although we probably won't, and that's what we saw, right? What what? Why did we go to Mexico? Why did we go to Peru? And that's to talk about the nature, la naturaleza of that we saw, and also the ancient uh, archaeology, you know, the the ruinas, the restos that uh, that exist in these places. And Gabe, you got to swim in your example of nature. Right. We we went to this natural reserve, an ecological reserve, uh, La Reserva Ecológica El Corchito. And we had to take a boat into the reserve and kind of go along a little arroyo to get into the main part of the reserve. And it was like a jungle, Greg. It was like uh, oh. a man- or a mangrove forest. You could call it either, but very, very thick trees with a lot of what we almost would call swamp. Very wet, uh, mm-hmm. and so we and it was. Got, it was hot then. It was hot. It was, and the area had all sorts of of animals that we had. There were little lizards and uh, these things called coatis that were like raccoons. It was really fun to see Uh them because they were very tame. We even saw some murcielagos, which I know scares you, but uh, it was awesome (laughs) to us. But we got to we got to swim in a very large cenote and a cenote is a limestone sinkhole that where a, a natural pool of freshwater forms. And there were uh, fish, what we would call chicklids, which are a, a sort of an exotic freshwater fish that you would normally only see in the pet store here. <laughs> and we got to to swim with those. And um, 
the water in the cenote was was very cold, but we were so hot we were glad to uh, to get in it. So uh, it was a really really special time. If you ever get the chance to visit El Corchito, I highly recommend it. It's just a really special experience. They there are several cenotes there, including even one that is not very deep. That's just for the little children that go so it's a fun and special place and there were tourists from all over uh, mexico as well as from all over the world when we went there so gabe why don't we agree that um, we'll pick a couple of pictures of these cenotes and we'll put them on the blog portion of our website that would be a good thing that's a great idea when he says it's beautiful it's like okay it's beautiful but when he sent me pictures of it and i was like Lord of mercy, this water is, it looks like a magic marker, you know, made this so purple, it's so blue. So I definitely think um, if you've never seen that before, you you should see it. Now, for my part, I went to Machu Picchu or Machu Picchu, which is a pre-Incan city that is built in a very special place in Peru. And it took hours and hours to get there via train and bus and a lot of walking, a lot of, you know, a lot of exhaustion because the, <laughs> sta- the stairs that they built were not built for, for me. They were built for somebody who takes much taller steps than I do. And so, and, you know, it was exhausting, but it was so worth it. And I'll try to put uh, a picture or two of that on the blog as well. Good. But, uh, you know, to see the sunrise over the mountain, to see exactly how the, the ancient people there, which have, you know, they have a lot of different names, but the those who came before the Inca, to see how they saw the snow to the north and to the south, and uh, just the, the amazing understanding of things like geometry and astronomy and uh, the flow of water, you know, the way that they used plants and medicinals, all of these things are evident when you're at Machu Picchu. I'm going to talk about our guide, uh, Jimmy, in our shout out today, uh, but his knowledge was just so vast, and I'll explain why in just a few minutes. So go to Machu Picchu if you can. <laughs> great, great stuff. All right. Well, it's time for us to do our uh, review of our episode to see if something stuck in your mind. Uh, could you understand us? Can you remember what you heard, and hopefully these these concepts that we're talking about are things that eventually you can use on your own, in your own words, in your own speech. Remember, you're going to understand me before you can imitate me. Okay, that's very, very important. The key is to keep listening, to keep reading English that you enjoy, and we hope you enjoy us, of course, Because eventually, if you digest enough, it will come out of you, right? It will come back out of you Mm. uh, the way that your first language did when you were a kid, right? You understood your mom, you understood your dad, you understood your grandmother, and then eventually you started talking. And then, of course, after that, you started writing much later. We want to be gradual, conversational examples of English that you can understand and then you can produce much later. So, did you understand what we said? Let's start off with, listeners, did Gabe go to A, 
Yucatan, Mexico. B, Guerrero, Mexico. Or C, Chihuahua, Mexico. All right, think it over. Hey, Gabe, where did you go? I went to Yucatan, Mexico. That's right, Yucatan, where the cenotes lie. <laughs> okay, oyentes. Greg and I were both surprised to see so much food from A, Africa, B, Europe, or C, Australia. Which one was it? All right. The word schnitzel comes back into my mind here, the <laughs> German schnitzel. We were surprised to see so much European food, uh, both in Peru and in Mexico. Right. All right. So, oyentes, when Greg was outside the shopping mall uh, near the beach uh, in Lima, did he see and hear lots of A, seagulls, unas gaviotas, B, skaters, unos patinadores, or C, angry taxi drivers? Taxistas rabiosos. Hmm. All right, time is up. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you remembered that I saw lots of skaters, dude. Right? I saw lots <laughs> of uh, skateboarders with their cool fashion and uh, you know their their jackets and their and their boards. Yeah. All right. And then one more question for you. We have a kind of a bonus question here. Gabe swam in a what? In the jungles or in Las Selvas de Yucatan. Gabe swam. Gabe went swimming in a what? In the jungles of Yucatan. Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. <laughs> and of course, the answer is I swam in a cenote in La Selva. That's right. In a cenote uh, limestone, you said it was made of limestone. Mm -hmm. What do you call that uh, the, uh, when the when it eats it away, when the water eats it away? Well, they were calling it a, like a sinkhole. Sinkhole. That's the term. Mm -hmm. A sinkhole. They have those in Florida, too, but they're not cenote. Right. They, no. just, they just destroy parking lots in Florida <laughs> <laughs> when roads. All right. Well, it's time for us to thank uh, our listeners today. We, today, we want to give a special shout out to, we hope, who is a new listener to our show. And that's the archaeologist Jimmy that, uh, that helped us uh, while we were at Machu Picchu. Jimmy told us a story, Gabe. I don't think I've told you this yet. Machu Picchu is enormous. I mean, it's 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 uh, it's the size of a football field. You know, it, it takes you minutes across minute to walk uh, Machu Picchu. But he told us, oh, yeah, this is only 30 percent of the whole thing. The rest of it is still under the jungle. Wow. And what he told me that was so impressive is he said, well, back in 1998, when I was a young archaeologist, I was hanging from a rope 
I was suspended by uh, una cuerda from the part that you can see. And I was slowly removing jungle below what you can see. And he was talking to us about the things that he found, like uh, exotic plants, medicinals, mummies, uh, you know, just fascinating. So I was lucky enough to go to Machu Picchu and listen to an actual archaeologist who had excavated and he did such a good job thank you jimmy i hope that uh, you continue to be prosperous uh, shedding light giving education to future visitors now um normally during this time we thank our patrons remember if you're a patron you can see a transcript of this uh, particular episode and you can see for other episodes what we'd call like uh, worksheets or activity pages uh, where you can see you know translation from english to spanish and so forth you can see our patreon page and become a patron yourself by going to www.patreon.com forward slash no te rindas podcast Y si tienes alguna duda o sugerencia sobre nuestro show, por favor, mándanos un email por questions arroba no te rindas podcast punto US. Mil gracias, Gabe. Well, if you want to, uh, to see our website and find out a little bit more about us, uh, as well as you can listen to episodes, uh, you can find a link uh, to our, our Patreon link, uh, as well as if you want to just buy us a coffee, uh, you can do that. We also have a blog where you can find readings and videos in English uh, that are our basic or intermediate level, and you can even suggest a topic. So our website is noterindaspodcast.us. Yeah, and we know from our statistical analysis that almost eight out of ten of you, nine out of ten of you are finding our show through our website. We're very happy about that. But have you clicked on the readings and the videos uh, tabs? Have you expanded your own English by visiting other parts of our website? We encourage you to do that. And if you want to review uh, some of what we do in our episodes, Gabe's going to tell you how to do that. Well, you can visit our Twitter or Facebook uh, page. Uh, both have the same uh, handle. It is at no te rindas ENG for English. At no te rindas ENG. Gabe, what a tremendous honor to get to talk about this with you. Thank you for being so adventurous as to take uh, take your time in the summer to go and see something new in Mexico. I'm also just extremely grateful that I had a chance to go uh, to Peru. Man, we're going to benefit from from the knowledge and the wisdom that we gain from seeing these uh, these civilizations, these cultures, as we continue through our lives. I sure do love you, and thank you again for doing this podcast with me. Well, I had so much fun today uh, getting to share this with you and with our listeners uh, who I thought about the whole time I was traveling. So yeah. anyway, I'm, I hope that we can do this again soon, Carnal. And uh, in the meantime, <laughs> let's, uh, let's stay in touch, okay? All right. You got it. All right. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.
All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.